What is up, everybody? ZTVs, Windows, Man, Double Z's, Man, whatever, and welcome to the debut of my new podcast known as Wrestling vs. the World. And you see the theme in the title, that's how it's always going to be. Every episode is going to have a theme. All going to be back to talking about wrestling, and it's starting today. So we know Survivor Series is around the corner, and that's going to be the whole theme for today's episode. And you can see the notepad on the right corner. That's always going to list the six key things that are going to happen in every episode. I got five main tiers known as the opener, the lower card, the mid card, the up card, and the main event, followed by what I like to call the three count at the end. What is it? You'll find out at the end. Everything should be there on the list. If you want to support the video, leave a like, subscribe, and of course, watch, listen until the very end. Let's hope you all enjoy it. So we're going to start right off the bat how we're going to do opening from now on, starting with a fun fact based on whatever the theme is, and this one being Survivor Series. We're going to take you back to 2003. Quick little fun fact. The very opening match of Survivor Series 2003, as anybody who's seen it knows, it is Team Angle versus Team Lesnar. And the fun fact is, on Team Angle originally, Baruch was booked to be part of the tag team match, but he was written out with a kayfabe injury. Who replaced him? None other than newly turned babyface John Cena. And the whole build to this, Cena was originally going to be swayed to try to join Team Lesnar. I believe he defeated like either Zack Allen or Rey Mysterio on SmackDown, and then Paul Heyman comes out with his team. He's like, you can come join Paul Heyman's team of Team Lesnar or not. And Cena was just like, nah, I ain't joining or anything like that. And then the whole entire team just decides to gang up on him and take him down. Thus turning John Cena babyface for the next 16 plus years. Yes, it was that very moment that I turned him babyface. Meanwhile, Farouk would get written out with a kayfabe injury. And then John Cena would take the place of Farouk in the tag team match. And, as you say, the rest is history. It's a fun little fun fact for y'all there. Alright, now this next little segment. Y'all have heard the whole memes of straight out of Compton. You heard of straight out of Dudleyville, courtesy of the Dudley Boys. You've heard of Weird Al's album, Straight Outta Leeward. Well, now we got a segment here to call Straight Outta Dudville. And that's where, based on the theme, we're going to cover the worst of the worst about whatever we see for this pay-for-you or theme or whatever's going on. So we're going to cover five of the worst matches that you can just afford to skip for Survivor Series history. I've got five. Let's break it down. First off, the, ugh, the women's tag team match from Survivor Series 1999. This match was like a, a minute and a half to two minutes, one fall to a finish, sudden death. It was, oh, this match was just a complete train wreck. Everybody got involved in the match, but the action was just sloppy, botches. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Like, everybody got in there, even if they were too old or they were just not fully trained. And that finish, it was just horseshit. May and Mula do a double clothesline to take down Ivory, and then that splash by Mula was enough to defeat the women's champion. This match, oh, was just horrific. Probably the worst women's match in Survivor Series history. It was that horrific. Holy frick, I would rather freaking pull out all my freaking eyelashes with tweezers than watch this match again. I'd rather jack off and freaking shoot coming to my own eyes just to blind myself so I don't have to witness this again because it was a freaking train wreck. Holy frick. The second match. I'm sure a lot of you remember this from 1993, the doinks. Doink, 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 doink. Versus Team Bigelow. Originally, we thought it was going to be the fur doinks, but instead, it was just Bushwhackers and Men in a Mission, dressed as doinks, against Team Bigelow, which was necessarily a comedy match. 
That is why you have teams, like, I understand the Bushwhackers were kind of like a goofy team and everything, and Man on a Mission were more of the entertainment team, but you had Bam Bam Bigelow there of all the people, and he was put in a comedy tag team match. No, thank you. This match was completely pointless, and there was no real doink, despite being advertised that there were going to be four doinks. So, uh, yeah, uh, hashtag card subject to change my ass. Number three, another one which was a stupid comedy match again, the Royal Family, which was Jerry Lawler and his little friends, I can't call them midgets because that's not quote-unquote politically correct, versus Clown's Rush, which was Doink the Clown this time, and his little clown doinks. This, this, you have Jerry Lawler. He's the team captain of his team with little people, and he's part of a comedy match. The man who's known as the King of Memphis, the man who would make a name for himself with his commentary for WWE ever since the 1990s is all of a sudden involved in a comedy tag team match. And it was just stupid. Nothing good came out of this. Why do this to the King of Memphis? I don't care if he's the Burger King or the King of Memphis. This was not good. At all. Screw it. Match number four. Oh, this was another one that does not deserve a spot. From 2005. Teddy Long versus Eric Bischoff. Raw GM, Eric Bischoff versus SmackDown GM, Teddy Long. I get it. It's brand supremacy. That was the whole theme and everything. But these two in a one-on-one match, are you fucking kidding me? It's like this match had no redeeming qualities, horseshit match altogether. I mean, Teddy Long, a former referee, a former manager, and then Eric Bischoff, a man who is known for this whole business side in the business, and then eventually Raw GM going one-on-one, and then it didn't even have a properly clean finish anyway. I believe, like, the Boogeyman got involved, so then Teddy Long won. Cool. But again, we don't need this fucking match. And on number five, oh my fucking, uh, this. Uh, this was during the time when that whole illegitimate son storyline came to revelation. Well, a little bit after that. Hornswoggle versus the Great Khali from 2007. Vince just decided, you're my bastard son. You're going to defend the name of McMahon. So, you're going to have a big match at Survivor Series, damn it. You're going to face the Great Khali. That's such good shit. Yeah, well, you got the shit part right in it, but the not still much on the such good part. This essentially was just done to try to make Hornswoggle look like he's gonna get destroyed and then help Finlay turn babyface. And eventually that led to Finlay revealing, you're not the father of Hornswoggle or however the accent goes. I can't do a proper Irish accent. But that was just done to attack Holly and reveal that Finlay was actually the real, eventually the real father of Hornswoggle. So this match was just stupid and pointless and did not need a spot on the 2007 show. Why? All right, now we're on our way up to the mid-card. The top five Survivor Series conclusions. No, this is not best match endings. These are the best endings to a Survivor Series. And we're talking all the way back since 1987. Uh, a bit of a spoiler, there. Um, a lot of these matches happened within the last 20-ish years. Because a lot prior to them didn't really do all that great for like the best finishes. But we got some in between that I think some are going to like. So starting off at number five... The invasion is over from the end of 2001. The whole invasion storyline had been going on ever since WCW got bought out by WWF and you occasionally had guys appearing on Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views and everything to invade the WWF. So everything finally culminated Survivor Series, Team WWF versus The Alliance. Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match, winner take all. It all came down to the end of Stone Cold and The Rock. Yes, yeah, Stone Cold, the man who was representing The Alliance versus The Rock. The man representing the WWF. Both known WWF names. Don't call being more known for WWF really than WCW and all that stuff and became a bigger name. 
representing the Alliance. These two were the main event of WrestleMania 17 and, of course, Rebellion, and they were the final two in this Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination match. In the end, The Rock ends up getting the pin after Kurt Angle reveals to be the mole for Team WWF after originally being on the Alliance. It's Stone Cold with the WWF title. Rock Bottom, the Alliance is officially gone. Team WWF wins. Big celebration. Awesome moment for the WWF and awesome moment because, yay! The amazing's finally fucking over, so at least that was a good feel-good moment. Number four, what I like to call the Stone Cold Card Drop Test. Yes, you see a lot of drop tests here on YouTube, and uh, back all the way in Survivor Series 2000, Stone Cold did one himself with a car and a forklift. So we remember the year before, Survivor Series 1999, Stone Cold got run down by a man in a car, which was Rikishi on the orders of Triple H. So then Survivor Series 2000 happened a few months after Stone Cold returned. He found out that I believe it was around this time that Stone Cold learned that Triple H was the one who orchestrated the whole ordeal. So they have a no-holds-bar match at Survivor Series, but the match ends in a no contest due to the finish. So they both end up rolling backstage. Triple H gets back all the way into the parking lot, gets in a car trying to drive off. But he gets stopped because Stone Cold's got that forklift. Gets him up underneath the car, lift it all the way up into the sky. And Stone Cold's like, yeah, give me a hell yeah, you son of a bitch. Tilts the car, and Triple H audibly says, Holy shit! Which near the network, and drops the car, roof first, down on the concrete. Match ends in no contest, but hey, Triple H gets a taste of his own medicine, saying, You never mess with Stone Cold and vehicles. Boom! Now, yes, I know it was kind of retcon because Triple H would return a, bit, a little bit later with seemingly no scratches, no explanation on how he survived, but still a great moment to see Triple H get dropped in that car. Number three, all the way back from 1998, the corporate champion, The Rock. So the whole thing for Survivor Series 1998, the first ever show that did not have any traditional Survivor Series tag team matches. So instead, we had another survival slash elimination theme to the show, which was the Deadly Games Tournament to determine the true new WWF champion due to the championship being vacated ever since breakdown a few months prior. The whole tournament was going along. The Rock seemed to be the underdog trying to go against Vincent Shane finally led to the finals. The Rock versus Mankind, winner take all. And remember, this was the year after Survivor Series 97 with Montreal Screwjob. So at the end, The Rock gets the Mankind into the sharpshooter. Vince decides, ring the fucking bell. Sound familiar? Yeah, I think so. So then all of a sudden, The Rock wins. Everybody's in confusion what's going on. The Rock is standing there in the ring with Vince and Shane, and it's a group hug. It was a ruse all along. The Rock was seemingly in a whole big program against Vince and Shane trying to say he's just a people's ass, but instead it was a ruse because The Rock revealed his alliance with Vince and Shane McMahon, and he's now saying, no hell he said, he'd rather be the people's ass than ever kiss yours. Well now it's time for each and every piece of trailer park trash to kiss The Rocks. And that pretty much helped show a double turn between The Rock and Mankind, a sort of nobody saw coming as The Rock turned heel, formed the corporation with Vince and Shane, and Mankind became a babyface, and this really finished up that true main event rise eventually as time went on for Mankind. I mean, that was quite a swerve at the end, and it was a star being born for The Rock as this started to propel him into that next level. Number two, The Dead Man's Vengeance from 2005. The main event for Survivor Series 2005, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown in a traditional Survivor Series tag team elimination match. 
It was the sound of Team SmackDown's own Randy Orton versus Team Raw's own Shawn Michaels. At the end, after Shawn Michaels got distracted, I believe it was by JBL, Randy Orton hits the RKO out of nowhere to Shawn Michaels, get the victory for Team SmackDown. SmackDown rosters out there congratulating Randy Orton up on, on their shoulders and everything, but then the gong hits. Randy Orton's terrified, lights are going out, and he sees a casket there at the entranceway. Struck by lightning, lit on fire, casket, door goes down, and the dead man is back. Yes, a month to a month and a half after The Undertaker was placed in a casket in a handicapped casket match against Cowboy Bob Orton and Randy Orton in No Mercy and set on fire, the dead man was back in that own way and cleared house of the entire SmackDown roster as Randy Orton ran in fear. You don't burn the casket alive with the dead man in it. Kane learned that the hard way back in 98. And number one, one of my personal favorites of all time from 2002, Shawn Michaels survives the chamber. Survivor Series 2002 in the main event, the first ever Elimination Chamber match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Champion, Triple H versus Chris Jericho, Booker T, Robin Am, Kane, and Shawn Michaels. Survivor Series 2002 was just an incredible show in this main event. Six men, all together, two in the ring, Four in chamber pods, coming out at five minute intervals. Eliminations happen at any time. The last man standing is World Heavyweight Champion. Down to Triple H, who had an injured trachea due to Rob Van Dam's botched five-star frog splash off the chamber pod. And Shawn Michaels, having his first, I believe this was his first match since SummerSlam when he went in that unsanctioned street fight against Triple H. Down to these two, Shawn Michaels wearing that shit covered pants. Because really, nobody could come up with a better color in time. Down at the end, Shawn Michaels prevents a pedigree, back body drop, sweet chin music, and Shawn Michaels in Madison Square Garden wins the World Heavyweight Championship, the very same arena where six years prior he was getting booed out of the building despite being a babyface WWF champion against Psycho Sid, makes it back to Madison Square Garden, wins the World Heavyweight Championship, crowd goes nuts, confetti's falling, and he is just showing so much thanks. It was just a big moment for the comeback for Shawn Michaels after four years away from being the active competitor to a back injury. He's back at SummerSlam, makes another return to Survivor Series, and this is his start to truly being back as a full-time wrestler. Alright, now we're up to the upper mid-card, which is listing five hidden gems from Survivor Series history. Five matches that sometimes get the recognition they deserve, but other times don't, that I feel if you need to see five matches that are at least great, here are your recommendations. Starting off a match that I mentioned at the the very beginning with the fun fact, Team Angle versus Team Lesnar. The whole thing even began with Hardcore Holly was making his return, in-ring return at least, and attacking Brock Lesnar but still getting disqualified for attacking too early. All the way to the end, you even saw Brock Lesnar tap out to the Crippler crossface. At the end, it was Chris Benoit and John Cena against the Big Show, and this was John Cena's first true showing test of strength. Yes, he did this to Rikishi, but... You had Big Show, who was heavier and bigger, hit a huge FU to the Big Show to win the match, making himself and Chris Benoit the sole survivors. A great, great way to start off Survivor Series. Number two, Shawn Michaels versus Randy Orton from Survivor Series 2007. Shawn Michaels looking for true redemption after Randy Orton tried to end his career back at Judgment Day after the RKO and hitting a punch and making Shawn's wife cry in the middle of the ring. Just an incredible back and forth match. Shawn Michaels even mentioned, I think, in a YouTube video that he feels this is his most underrated match, and it's not hard to see why. Now, I'm not getting more details because it's going to lead to the final part of this uh, whole little podcast, but you'll understand why. But like I said, this is a hidden gem guaranteed. Number three from, once again, in 2002, 
Billy Kidman versus Jamie Noble for the Cruiserweight Championship in a show where, honestly, there were no bad matches. I'll even defend Brock Lesnar versus The Big Show from that show as well, but Jamie Noble versus Billy Kidman, the one match that happened on the show that nobody talked about, was a solid match. I mean, the Cruiserweights were doing a great job around this time, from around 2002 to 2003 and all that stuff, without everybody just getting piled up into one match and everything like you see around 2006, where it's like, everybody who's a Cruiserweight, go for the title in one match at pay-per-view. You had one-on-one -on -one matches. This was a solid, overall good match. Number four, the one match that I feel is the only bright spot from Survivor Series 1999, Chris Jericho versus China. Yeah, Chris Jericho had only been in the WWF for few months around three months or so china was the only woman to ever hold the intercontinental championship and jericho is going after her. so one-on-one -on -one, go for the intercontinental championship and this was surprisingly good yes the finish was a bit sloppy trying to deliver a pedigree to, to chris jericho off the top but still the only bright spot of this show in terms of match quality everything else just sucked on this show this was a solid match even better than their armageddon match and finally number five from 2004, Shelton Benjamin defending the Intercontinental Championship against Christian. Yeah, Christian going for the Intercontinental Championship against the brand new champion Shelton Benjamin who won it from Chris Jericho at Taboo Tuesday just about a month prior. Solid back and forth match. Christian wasn't doing a whole lot at this point after coming back. He was going for the Intercontinental Championship a couple times. Having his alliance with Tyson Tomko, but even up until from this point until the end of his time in WWE before he left, he wasn't really doing much. Yeah, he had a WWE Championship match, like, I think it was, like, what, seven months later? But that was it. I mean, an overall good back-and-forth match. I believe this was the opener of the show, so solid overall match, especially for Shelton trying to make his way up and making a name for himself as a new up-and-rising, upcoming star. All right, now we're up to our main event before the final official segment. This is the pinnacle of the podcast, the main subject being the history of of The Undertaker as Survivor Series. You think of Survivor Series, you think of debuts and awesome moments, and we can't forget the debut of one of the longest tenured employees in WWE history. The man who was at the debut episode of Monday Night Raw, who is still technically active to this day. Granted, it's a few, one or two times a year, but still. So we're gonna cover the entire history of The Undertaker as Survivor Series, starting all the way at the beginning. It was 1990, introduced by the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, initially known as Kane, The Undertaker. The Undertaker would make his first televised debut. Now, yes, he did have some pre-taped shows for everything that was happening before Survivor Series, but this was his first time appearing on television for new programming in his debut as Survivor Series. After getting elimination by pinning Coco Beware and Dusty Rhodes, Undertaker would get counted out in his very first televised match here at the Survivor Series debut. 1991, the following year, The Undertaker went one-on-one -on -one with Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. The only match, first time a match has happened at Survivor Series that wasn't a traditional Survivor Series tag team match. Because that's all you kept seeing prior to this from 87 through 90 and most of 91 until this main event hit. With the help of Ric Flair in the steel chair, Undertaker would hit a tombstone pile driver to Hulk Hogan to win the title, and then you would hear the decree saying, Hulkamania is dead! Long live the Undertaker! Now granted, the championship reign would not last that long as Undertaker would drop it the following week at this Tuesday in Texas in controversial fashion, but still, his first win against the top guy in the company, that's a big win right there, even if it was not that long-lasting. 
1992, The Undertaker would have his first Survivor Series match as a babyface as he defeated Kamala in a coffin match. Now, no, this was not like a typical casket match where you roll him in the casket, close the lid to win, you had to get the pinfall on your opponent, and then you were able to put them in the coffin and seal it shut. And the whole build, Kamala was showing his fear for the whole thing with coffins and everything like that. After getting distracted by the coffin, The Undertaker used the urn on Kamala to get the pin, rolled him into the coffin, closed the lid, and got nails into there to try to seal him shut until it was pried apart shortly thereafter. But 1993, okay, this was a one that was a little out of place because this was a card that got changed. Originally, it was Team All-Americans versus Team Foreign Fanatics, but a couple people got replaced. One of the Rougeau brothers ended up getting replaced by Crush, and originally on the All-Americans team, it was Tatanka on there, but he got taken out through a Cape Fave injury and replaced by The Undertaker. And with The Undertaker's help there, in Survivor Series 1993, he didn't get any eliminations, even though Team All-Americans did win, but he ended up getting eliminated with Yokozuna as a double counter rule as a way to start the build for their big match at Royal Rumble 1994. 1994. Now, as I mentioned, there was Royal Rumble 1994. It was a casket match between Yokozuna and The Undertaker, but now it's Survivor Series. There was a rematch, but with Chuck Norris at the side. Non-title because Yokozuna was no longer champion compared to Royal Rumble, but The Undertaker still got the victory, sealing Yokozuna into the casket shut. 1995. The Undertaker returning after a facial injury caused by King Mabel. With that whole Phantom of the Opera mask on its face, as part of Team Darksiders defeating Team Royals, Undertaker would get the pinfall eliminations on Triple H, Jerry Lawler, Isaac Yankum, and got Mabel counted out, thus getting his team a complete clean sweep. 1996, one straight from Madison Square Garden, The Undertaker would get a one-on-one -on -one victory over Mankind after falling down, coming down from the Raptors, kind of like in Bath style, and Paul Bearer being held above the ring in a big shark cage. Yeah, we've seen that so many times over the years, but this was a fun moment to make sure The Undertaker could get his hands on Mankind without Paul Bearer getting in the way. Fast forward two years to 1998, Undertaker would take part in the Deadly Games Tournament, Undertaker being healed for the first time in over six years years after returning heel at Judgment Day, now going through the tournament, he would get a victory, albeit controversially, against his brother Kane, but then would lose via disqualification against The Rock later on due to his brother Kane getting a measure of revenge by attacking The Rock to cause that DQN and getting The Undertaker eliminated from the tournament. Fast forward another two years, all the way to 2000, The Undertaker would suffer a pinfall loss to Kurt Angle also in controversial fashion, as Kurt Angle played this special Twin Magic, something we knew the Bella Twins a lot for. With his brother Eric Angle, after hitting a last right Eric Angle, referee decides to stop count because he realized that's not Kurt Angle, that's Eric, thus causing Kurt Angle to sneak back in the ring and get a roll-up pin on The Undertaker to retain the WWF Championship. 2001, the whole, as I mentioned before, Team WWF versus The Alliance. The Undertaker would take part in Team WWF, but got no eliminations in the match despite taking part in helping take down Shane McMahon, would get eliminated after Stone Cold would be the illegal man getting the stunner onto Undertaker and helping Kurt Angle get the pin for the elimination. But then again, like I said before, Team WWF still got the win anyway. Fast forward another two years, 2003, Undertaker would sadly lose a buried alive match against Vince McMahon thanks to his brother Kane interfering, getting involved into the whole crane that had the dirt, dropping the Undertaker into the hole, and covering him dirt thus ending the American Badass, but still would eventually bring back the dead man. 
2004, oh, this was a fun one. A one-on-one -on -one victory against Heidenreich. Yes, the poetry man himself. Who wants to be my friend? This feud had been going on for like a month or two ever since around No Mercy. Heaven one-on-one, -on -one, regular match against Heidenreich. Thank goodness it was just that. Pfft, less said, the better. 2005, as I had mentioned earlier, no match. Undertaker had been out since No Mercy after Randy Orton and Cowboy Bob Orton locked him in the casket and lit it in on fire. Undertaker was seemingly gone, but then a Survivor Series arose from the casket that was on fire and ended up taking out Team SmackDown in order to send a signal to Randy Orton saying, He's back. 2006. Uh, sadly, The Undertaker would lose to new and upcomer Mr. Kennedy in a one-on-one -on -one first blood match due to MVP accidentally striking with a steel chair and busting him wide open. Although The Undertaker would get a matter's year of revenge by hitting that nasty chair shot that wrapped around Mr. Kennedy's head. Holy crap, how did his head not get knocked off his shoulders there? 2007, the final match of the best of five series between Batista and The Undertaker for the World Heavyweight Championship, both men bloody and beating the hell out of each other. But The Undertaker would fall in defeat due to the returning Edge, the first time we had seen Edge since July after being forced to relinquish the World Heavyweight Championship due to injury, posing as a cameraman inside of Hell in a Cell, attacking The Undertaker and costing him the match against Batista, which still ended the whole Best 5 series, but now Edge would get added into this whole mix. 2008, a match that I recently posted upon on social media, a one would get a one-on-one -on -one casket match victory over The Big Show. Big Show, still, despite being a big man, had a fear of caskets. At the end, both men brawled upon the stage, and Big Show ended up getting Irish whipped into a vertically standing casket, which toppled over and closed itself on the stage. So that's giving The Undertaker an odd win there, but still a cool one regardless. 2009, a show where both world championships were defending in triple threat matches, as The Undertaker would, would retain the World Heavyweight Championship in a triple threat match against Chris Jericho and Big Show, both men unified tag team champions, Good overall match, but the only thing people really meant remember about this was Chris Jericho having that whole I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot, exchange with an idiot fan at ringside. And now this leads to The Undertaker's final, to date, Survivor Series appearance being 2015. Throughout the year 2015, he went against Bray Wyatt and Brock Lesnar, but then after Hell in a Cell got taken away by the Wyatt family, so to commemorate the 25th anniversary of The Undertaker's debut as Survivor Series, we're going to have the Dead Man have a match against the Wyatt family, and team up with his brother Kane. Now, even though it wasn't a good match, it was still there, and the brothers of destruction would get a tag team defeat over the Wyatt family. So there you have it, folks. That is all the main parts mentioned for the debut episode of Wrestling vs. The World Podcast, but we still got one more matter, and that is the special treat that I've constantly been talking about throughout social media, especially on Twitter, and that is the three count. This is going to happen after the first five segments of every single part of the podcast what is the three count it is very simple three trivia questions winner is the first person to answer all three questions correctly in order the winner gets a free three-month subscription service to the wwe network if you see me on twitter you see me post those pictures with all of those wwe network cards network subscription cards this is a 30 dollar value whether you unsubscribe from the network and want to subscribe again or you want to subscribe for the first time at no charge this is your chance to win a free three-month trial for the network. No cost to you. Save you 30 bucks. So how do you enter this in? Well, I got a few little rules here to make sure this is fair. First off, only if you win this challenge once, you can't enter again because we can't have people piling up with 
entries and everything and constantly winning and trying to get all the cards. So if you win once, you can't enter this contest again for the trivia challenge. Two, as mentioned before, in order to try to win, you have to get all three questions answered incorrectly in the correct order. First person to get all three questions in the correct order done right first wins. And three, in order to enter, you must also have some form of social media for me to private message you in so I can send, so if you win, I send you the code because if I send it here in the comments on YouTube, somebody could easily steal it and then that's a waste of 30 bucks. So, and to easily redeem it, it says right on the back of the card saying, to redeem it says go to WWE.com slash redeem and enter the special pin number below to start enjoying WWE Network today. It may ask you to enter sign up information, but as long as you enter the code, it will not charge you right away. Three months free. If you hurry up and enter it as soon as possible, the Survivor Series free. Maybe possibly TLC and Royal Rumble if the calendar's right. So without further ado, let's get through the three questions. Starting off number one. I mentioned this before, Randy Orton versus Shawn Michaels, Survivor Series 2007. This match had two stipulations. One stipulation against Shawn Michaels in the match, and one against Randy Orton. What were these two stipulations in this match? Number two, a bit of a basic one, who was the Intercontinental Champion at the time of Survivor Series 2000? And number three, Dolph Ziggler did double duty at Survivor Series 2011 after retaining the United States Championship against Zack Ryder. He also participated in the main Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match, which he wasn't originally booked for. Who did Dolph Ziggler replace in this main Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match that very same night? So there you have it, folks. Those three questions, like I said, only one person can win overall. You must answer all three questions correctly in order, and the first person to do that will win. And you must have some form of social media for me to privately message you in to send you the code if you win, so you can redeem the code and get three months free of the WWE Network. Answer right in the comment section below as soon as possible in order to enter. So there you have it, folks. That takes care of the debut episode of Wrestling vs. the World podcast. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Let me know what you all thought in the comment section below. Next time we come to you, we got another theme for you, and that is on a man that recently came back at the time of this recording for WWE Backstage. That is right, against CM Punk. Going to cover different topics about him throughout the next podcast, so tune in the next one in order to see how that goes. If you guys, like I said, if you guys enjoyed it, leave a like, subscribe, turn on that bell for notifications, and just share the podcast so we can get that out there to, in order to keep this, get this ball rolling, even if it's down a snowy hill and that snowball just keeps on rolling until it crushes somebody i don't care but anyway thank you everybody for listening thanks for watching or listening folks like comment subscribe peace out folks